Welcome to the Natural Health Podcast, where we bring awareness of sustainable health in the business hustle space. The Natural Health Podcast is perfect for the high-performing business-minded individuals who want to work with their biochemistry to achieve optimal health. It's Friday, which means it's time for friends sharing facts about health, business, and overall success. In today's episode, we talk to Lizzie and Chant, who will talk about all things fertility and how your burnout can impact this. Lizanne was born and raised in Paris, France, and she worked for 10 years in the movie industry after suffering from professional burnout, not once but twice in her 20s. She decided to change her career and become a registered holistic nutritionist focusing on women's mental health. Now she's living in her beautiful tiny house in British Columbia, Canada with her husband and is focusing on her own real life goal, becoming a mother. An interesting fact about her is that she studied and practiced stage theater for 17 years and played rugby when she was in graduate school and traveled to more than 30 countries by the age of 30. Welcome to the Natural Health Podcast. Thank you so much, Maya, for having me today on your beautiful podcast. You're most welcome. So you're living in a tiny home now, is that right? That's correct. Uh, we're in British Columbia, Canada, Canada, and this is it. This is one of the rooms that we have. We don't have many, obviously. Um, this is my office slash yoga room slash there's a Murphy bed right there for guests. Wow, I love that. I always watch those TV those TV shows where they, you know, make tiny homes or they move in. I, I love it. I think it's I think it's so beautiful. And for you to have done that, how long have you been living in one? It's been 18 months now. Wow. And you love it? I love it. I I wouldn't change that lifestyle for anything except that we're actually planning on moving on east to Ontario, where my husband's family is from, because we want to start a family and we don't want to do this alone. So we want to get closer to create a village around my new baby. Beautiful, beautiful. It always says it takes a village to, you know, raise a kid. So I love that you're doing that. So before we get into today's podcast, I wanted to know more about you. Not only that you're just living in a tiny home, I wanted to go deeper. And I wanted to find out you in the bio, we said that you had burnout not once, but twice. That is crazy. I wanted to find out what have been the key turning points in your journey where you are today. If you can go a bit more detail in that, please. Right. So uh, this is not an achievement I'm particularly proud of, but this is my reality. Um, I was probably born with a pretty um, weak nervous system and uh, hypersensitivity to other people's emotions, uh, stimuli, environmental stimuli, and that really, really drains me. Um, on top of end, uh, so that creates stress for me. And when I was becoming an adult, I started having digestive issues that led to nutritional deficiencies. And I was always tired. And then all my systems starting going around, like not really good. Like I had chronic back pain. I had painful periods. And in 2012, when I was working for the company of my dreams in Paris, I was in the movie industry working for Disney. As an intern, I burned out. It only started like um, lasted 48 hours. So it was really fast, like from Friday night to Monday morning, I cried. I just couldn't stop crying, not really knowing why and what was happening. But I was, I was just like overwhelmed, anxious, in pain, and just like, I can't do this anymore. So I picked myself up, no one knew at work, but I made the decision to scapegoat Paris and the Parisian lifestyle and mentality. I thought they were really negative, very snobby, and it was not a real future for me that will make me feel good. So I decided to move to Canada on the West Coast in Vancouver, thinking all my problems will be solved once I had figured that out. Obviously not because it's not your environment um, that burns you out. It's your the way you you take it on and the way you you deal with your stress. So in 2017, I burned out again. I was working in the movie industry still uh, in visual effects 
lot of on it 90 hours a week for three months in a row on a very very difficult project and work was had become my life my back pain my digestive problems my periods problems were like all tenfolds and um one morning my alarm clock rang and i turned off and i had this massive truth overcoming me i cannot do this anymore and i just started crying and I was it like I was brain dead. I was I just couldn't move. I I didn't want to drink so that I wouldn't have to get up and pee. Um, I knew I was not depressed because it was not like everything was dark in my life. I knew I had a really good life, um, but I, it just was not working for me anymore. And I just didn't know where I got it wrong. It was really like I followed the template of what it is to be a successful woman in 2017 in this world you know like with very minimal um things to deal with like i'm white i'm privileged i'm middle class i am i am educated i'm well traveled you know what i mean and yet mm. it was not working for me so i was really like with burnout comes a lot of an identity crisis really where you're like oh shit, what's next um so i started figuring out everything for myself um turned out i had adrenal fatigue so like very very low cortisol levels so like physiologically i i couldn't sustain my lifestyle like i had no energy whatsoever to the point where even my stress hormone was absent um i had a um intestinal condition SIBO small uh intestinal bacterial overgrowth which was completely polluting myself from inside um i was suffering from endometriosis so very, very uh, painful periods uh, with tons of PMS. And I almost fainted in an Ikea store once because of pain. Um, and so that led to starting my proper healing journey being like, no, I just, I just need to focus on myself and my health rather than my career, trying to understand what's going on and what I was born with, what led to one thing to another and how I can have a long, healthy life. And for me, healthy means fertile because one of my main goals in life is to become a mother, have a family on my own. Um, and just as I was unfolding everything and getting better, I, I went to holistic nutrition school. Um, I changed career, um, became a coach for women suffering from burnout. And last August, I had a miscarriage. And again, full identity crisis and like what do I want who am I what matters to me and I just decided to to stop everything I was doing and just fully focus on becoming a mother wow wow gone from being an intern for Disney I mean you said that was your dream job I can just imagine people listening will be like wow that's like you know, it sounds like a movie. Everything you were saying, I was listening and I was like, this is a scene for a movie. This is just setting the set, you know, working as an intern, getting burnout, being like, you know what, I'm moving countries, move from fr beautiful friends, move to Canada. And it happened again. And as you said, it's not the environment that caught, well, part of was the environment, but it wasn't that you're just going to move and things are going to you know change and you're not changing your careers you're not looking after yourself and I love the fact that you said now that you know you you healed yourself because you became a holistic nutritionist you had SIBO and you did all those things so wow what a journey and now on a journey to motherhood exactly so I feel like everything I went through was just kind of a parenthesis for me until I could really focus on having a baby, carrying a baby and bringing a baby into this world and, and having this connection with um, a little being that just grow into itself and I can just wander and, and, and be there for them. That's so beautiful. That's absolutely beautiful. So I know that you probably know the answer to this question with what you said, but I'm going to ask you anyway. So here on the podcast, we talk a lot about success, you know, and it means different things to different people. Everyone thinks success is different, but I wanted to know for you, what does success look like right now? Right. And I want to say um, it means different things for different people at different times. 
So like, had you asked me when I was uh, 18, success meant working for Disney. And I did it. Great. And then once you've achieved something, you always come something else, right? So then I wanted to move to Canada and that was success for me. Then it was having my own business and helping my own clients. That was success. And now this is all out of the table. And for me, success is literally carrying a healthy pregnancy, uh, welcoming a baby into this world and uh, managing birth and postpartum gracefully which is not an easy fate for me. Yeah, I like that you put gracefully in there because a lot of people think that, you know, the preconception or the pregnancy is the hard part. But what about after that's when there's not that much, I don't know about in Canada, but there is not that much support unless you're really, you know, have a mental illness or something along those lines. But there isn't much support for mothers around that area, which is interesting. So I'm glad that you said that that's what success looks like for you, the whole, the whole, the whole journey. Yeah, it's like it, it's it's once you commit to it, it's it's a lifetime, you know. Like it just until you die, and and I'm full on in it, and I'm actually glad it's never gonna end. And it's not like a career where you can drop it and try something else. Your kids, <laughs> you you've signed for life with them. Yeah, that's absolutely beautiful. To all the mothers out there, you're doing a great, great job. <laughs> so let's let's get into today's topic, which is going to be such an interesting one. And I'm excited. I've spoken about this topic to a number of individuals on this podcast, but I'm, I'm excited to see your point of view on this because every individual has their own stories, has their own point of view in regards to it. So I've spoken about, I've got a podcast on burnout and I've also got a podcast on preconception, but here we're going to combine it together. So that's what we're going to talk about in this podcast. So I'm so excited. So yeah, it's just going to blow up, right? <laughs> so let's start with what is burnout? What is actually burnout? Okay. So the referential is the World Health Organization's definition from May 2019. So please note how recent that is. And it's from one organization in the world. So we can take it with a grain of salt. So the World Health Organization says burnout is an occupational syndrome, which means that it's, it, it comes from your work um, as a result from chronic workplace stress that has not been successfully managed. So it's a lot on responsibility on the person. And it's around three dimensions. A, feelings of energy depletion or exhaustion. To increase mental distance from one's job or feeling of negativism related to one's job. I've got it write it down here because it's very specific. And three, reduce professional efficacy. Um, so it's a it's a bit of um, a difficult language, but really what they say is like this is work related and that's it. Um but to me, it doesn't really make sense because they talk about occupationally, occupational syndrome and an occupation really can is not only paid time, uh, paid full time work. So it's not only for employees and entrepreneurs like you can be really occupied in your day if you're a mother, if you're a student, if you're a volunteer and all those environments and those lifestyles can burn you out. So. We usually use that that definition to explain what burnout is. Now, there's other types of definitions. There's people who say it's a nervous breakdown. A lot of people relate more to that concept of like, okay, I understand what that means. You know, when people just collapse and start crying and it's just like it's exhausted and that's it. Like they don't have their nerves or anything anymore. Um, in functional medicine, we call about adrenal fatigue, for instance, which means, again, uh, reversed cortisol levels or uh, low cortisol levels, which can totally be tested with some hormonal tests. Um, but the reality is that your adrenals, which are the little glands in your back on the top of your kidneys, don't ever really get tired of producing stress hormones. And therefore, some people will call it HPA axis dysregulation, which is not really sexy. Um, and just means that the connection between the different endocrine glands that trigger stress hormones 
are not working together really well. So what I want to emphasize is that burnout is really when you feel um, very, very tired and you cannot be, be uh, relieved by sleep. Uh, you can feel anxious, overwhelmed, a lack of motivation that is different from what you used to be, very uh, cynical, um, very negative so, um, um, self-talk or thoughts. And that can even lead to depression for some people. And so the line between, it's a spectrum between the, oh, I'm a bit tired, I will need a holiday to, no, that's it. I've burned uh, the candle on, on both ends. And now I'm in another dimension, which is depression. And on top of that, you have satellite symptoms, what I call, so like the digestive problem, the sexual problems, the fertility problems that are in themselves can burn you out just to fix. Yeah, I love that you put in there that it's not just work, it's also voluntary, it's also students. Because I know when I studied, everyone around me, I can say, was burnt out. Because, and imagine the people that are working and studying. Like, oh, yeah, you stu- medical students, duh. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've studied, we know how hard it is, and you just get burnt out. So, and I can feel the sense of so people that are listening to this might be like, Either it's them, they're like, oh, my gosh, I'm at this stage, or they know someone in the office that they're like, wow, they are burnt out because it's not like a rare thing. It's not like a rare genetic disorder. It is so common in workplaces because uh, it's, it's so common because we don't take time off. We think sick leave is for the poor. We believe working till midnight means we're a good employee. Um, yeah, so I, I can relate to that 100%. I'm pretty sure the listeners can too. So I love how you put that together. Yeah. yeah and, um, and remember, it's really a side effect of capitalism, I would say, where, you know, there's no work-life balance. Um, they call work being like your family. And that's very like a great area all in a sudden. I'm like, no, your family is your family. Work is work. Um, and in some countries, they take it to a whole nother level. Like if you're not useful to the company, if you're not productive to society, better remove yourself from it. And I studied in South Korea and in there, I would say they have the most extreme cases of burnout where people are just like committing suicide because not only do they feel exhausted, but they feel like there's no way out and they're never going to be able to pick themselves up from and be useful for society and, and their company. And, and so they, they commit suicide. And when I was studying being there, um, I was there for four months. We had three um, students suicides and one teacher suicide. And it's just like, it's just normal. Wow. I, wow. That hurt me. Like just hearing that. So that's like one a month. And I know, I know reading, I read on, in Japan, there's an actual word. I think it's, I can't, I can't remember the actual word and it's actually suicide from work or suicide. People die at desks. I mean, I know it's a hard topic that we're talking about right now. Suicide might affect a few people, but it's happening. It's out there. And this, and it's because of work. Like it's because of work that, sh- that should bring you joy. That shouldn't bring you to the edge where you think of ending your own life. Yeah, we, we, we grew up thinking that when you find your passion work, you, you won't work a day in your life. And that is part of the burnout culture. This mentality that it's, you can give all your time, energy, money into ideas and, and creativity into something that is productive, into doing rather than being. But when you hit a wall and you're actually given too much of yourself and, you, and, it, and it has side effects and negative side effects on you, we're just like, oh, shit, I was... I'm not getting what I was expecting, which is the fulfillment, the the productivity, the recognition. I'm just left as a as an empty shell, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's deep. We went deep straight away. I love it. <laughs> Sorry, so, I don't do small talk. No, I love okay. it. 
I love it. And and one other part that you just mentioned that just clicked on me was the part of when you are being, when you are, when when you are you, when you're in the moment, that's when you're most productive, not when you're burnt out and thinking to-do list, making things happen. When I've got to call that person, I've got to do this, you know, then you're not being because you're always thinking about the future. You're always thinking about what you're going to do instead of what am I doing right now? Like me doing this podcast with you right now, I'm in the moment. I'm here with you. No one else is around me. I'm not thinking about anything. I'm here with you, you know, and and that's when you're you give the most to others, you know, and I love that. Yeah, I love when you, you know, it's just a, a f- f- example, a good example. When people ask you, how are you, how are you feeling? They say, how are you doing? Again, like, it's all about what, what you do, what you can show up for yourself. At the end of the day, what have you created? Rather than just, well, I am, and I feel that way, and that should be enough, right? It, it all comes from the French philosopher Descartes. Cogito uh, ergo sum, I think, and I, I, I can do because I think, therefore I am. And that's that's just too far, too far for some of us. Yeah, that's deep. I love it. I love it. Absolutely love it. So now that we've spoken about burnout and, you know, we've had a little spill, our own little spill about burnout and, you know, our own emotions throughout burnout, I love that because now the audience might be able to reflect on that and actually understand that it may be impacting them. But today's topic we want to talk about that it's actually maybe impacting their fertility, either if you're male or female, it doesn't really matter. It's the fertility that it impacts. But I wanted to know how does stress impact the reproductive system? Can you go a bit more detail in that? Yeah, so we have 11 interconnected systems in the body that just maintain us alive and helps us reproduce. The the reproductive system is one of the first that will shut down under chronic stress. The reason is you can survive as an individual of the species if you're not procreating. You cannot survive if um, your cardiovascular system shuts down, if your urinary system, if your digestive system shuts down. So those are protected. They have to be protected. But the reproductive system, it's fine for a while, right? There are other people of your species that can carry on the genes. Um, So your body will be selfish and protect you first and foremost, which is great, actually. It's fine with acute stress. Acute stress is never really a problem. You can get really scared, have to deal with an emergency and be more performant for it. That's fine. The problem is chronic stress. Chronic stress leads to oxidative damage in the body. So through, um, how do you call them? Um, Toxins, not toxins. It's, um, I forgot the words, but like oxidative damage and chronic inflammation and free radicals. Here they are, the bad guys. <laughs> um, and that's how some people develop conditions like elnoroproductive system, like endometriosis, PCOS, fibroids, and other estrogen dominance issues. And all of them impact negatively our fertility. And to give you an example, when my traditional Chinese doctor um, told me that I was probably suffering from endometriosis on my colon, um, she immediately asked me, do you want kids? And I said, uh, yeah. And she was like, okay, you may want to think about egg freezing because that's their reality as, as alternative doctors to deal with people who are like, have had a very successful career, very busy, stressful lifestyles. And they come to an age where they want to have kids and they cannot. Because the body for so long has shut down the reproductive system, their reproductive ability. And now they want a baby right here, right now. And it's not happening. So I don't want to say it's systematic because there are some burnt out women who will go on on carrying a pregnancy and giving birth. But this is really not ideal for the mother or the child. Um, I know a few of them myself, and I can tell you they have huge, huge guilt around passing on a weak nervous system or a poor immune system to the kid. And that makes them very um, weak to, in the first years of their life, 
to viruses, bacteria, and they end up having conditions and, and difficulty dealing with their environment. And, and it's really hard. And can you imagine how much more stress that will add on a parent when their own kid is not feeling well at such a young age? And, and yeah, again, the guilt of like, I may have passed this on a little bit with not treating my own conditions, right? Yeah. The fact that you said some people, some women may fall pregnant and that they're burnt out and things like that and that it's not an ideal situation. I love that you made a point to that because, yes, you may fall pregnant, but the question is not are you pregnant? The question is how ideal and how healthy are you and your baby throughout the pregnancy and after the pregnancy and how healthy is the baby when it comes out? So I love, love, love that you made that point because sometimes people's um, journeys just fall pregnant and that means, you know, I'm healthy, but I love that you made that point there. One thing I've always considered is the postpartum depression. And if you think about the correlation of the symptoms between burnout and motherhood burnouts and postpartum depression, there, there are a lot of similarities. And I'm always wondering if they had been like really solid with their nutrient profile, with um, their support, the village around them, with taking care of themselves. Um, will they will they still be postpartum depression? You know. So really, for me, there's a huge correlation. If you had burnout before, watch out for postpartum depression. Yeah, that's a that's an absolutely great connection, and uh, that's a great connection that you know we wouldn't usually think of. We just think, oh, I'm finished my job now; it shouldn't be an issue. But yeah, that part of after the baby, I think, it hits a lot of people, and I've seen it hit a lot of my family, a lot of my friends, and there's not much attention drawn to it. So yeah, it's very interesting. Yeah, we. All about prevent prevent um, prevention. Sorry, um, with alternative medicine, we have this ability to really lay like fortify what your genetics have given you and what you to deal with your environment so that you get the best odds at having a pain free long life and experiences. Really, yeah, yeah, that's that's brilliant. I've been following you a fair bit on social media and I've heard you say that you can only be really healthy if you are fertile. What do you actually mean by this? If you can expand a bit more on that. Well, to go back to the systems, the interconnected systems in the body, again, the reproductive system is the first one to shut down if you're not healthy, if your body is not in homeostasis, which is the balancing of all the hormones and enzymes and nutrients and molecules that makes you, okay, you are healthy. Um, and so really the number one indicator will be how is my reproductive health, how am I feeling in my ability to carry life? Um, and I feel like it will be, it's a really good benchmark for optimal health, really. Um, otherwise, there's no real metrics, right? What does that mean to be healthy? Like, it's variable for one person to another. I mean, you have like rosy cheeks that you can run a marathon and you can go traveling without being affected too much by jet lag. No, if you think about it, like healthy is you can get good quality sleep. You have energy throughout the day. You have a good appetite and easy digestion, fun libido, and, and for women, regular slash painless menstrual cycles. And then you're good. Yeah, it sounds so simple. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> it's a lifelong program, real, really. <laughs> really, seriously. She's serious. <laughs> I love it. So when... When should the individuals that are listening to this might be like, okay, I might look at, you know, becoming pregnant, I'm keen, I'm excited to, you know, procreate. When should they start looking at their health? Like when should health be their priority and what can they, I guess, do? What, what Yeah. Okay, so I think 
thing that all of us really what we want when we pay attention to our health is to avoid pain and have a long life right now hopefully that's not dependent on whether you want to procreate or not because there are some people who do not and if we tell them well watch out you can't procreate if you're not healthy that's not gonna like they're not gonna relate to that um but and 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 it's still true though it's still true that if you're fertile then you're healthy but even more if you know you want a family with your own genetics um, it's never too early to take on fertility promoting habits, which can be really hard to implement. And I wish we were teaching that in biology classes when we're 12 or 13, not when we're 30 and we're being told to freeze our eggs to make sure we can potentially have baby of our own. Um, and I call, and I call that the trimester zero. So, Oh, we all know the three trimesters of pregnancy, one, two, three that are counting in weeks. Um, and then we heard about the trimester four, which is postpartum, and that's that that can be lifelong. But I want to emphasize about trimester zero, which is all the preconception period. Um, and I like at the latest, really, if you want to like kind of cover your bases, it, this trimester will last three months. Because that's the time for your body to develop a healthy egg if everything goes well. Otherwise, um, sperm is one month for um, men. But truthfully, if you want healthy sperm, you may want to change habits and that will take more time. So really, really trimester zero at least three months before conception. Um, ideally, as I said, teenage years when women start menstruating and we can teach boys and girls how to have a healthy long life um and otherwise the ideal minimal will i will say 18 to 12 months um and that's what i've been doing um even my baby boy i've been on this journey for about two years now so after recovering from burnout in 2017 i was like okay next step is optimal health is fertility um, what am I doing for that? And that hopefully will make pregnancy way less painful for some people who otherwise will get a double bar on a pregnancy test and they have to stop smoking. Uh, they stop, tr stop drinking, uh, slow down working, work out, eat more, drink more and go to bed early. And that is so hard to do if that's not what you implemented in your life before. So it takes time. We, we just want to be gentle with ourselves. And again, not being this burnout culture of like, I got my career, now I got my baby, then I got that. And so just like on and on and on. And there's no rest, no transitions from one state to another. Um, and then when you've set that up, then you're pretty good. And you can hope that whatever happens sideways is fate. Is like destiny. You, it is part of your karma to deal with, and you're going to grow from it. It's going to be okay. Yeah. Trimester zero. I love the language behind that. I love it. And the fact that even if you don't want to, you know, have a baby, be, you know, fertile in a sense, procreate, just your body to be healthy. All of these, like the interesting thing is, is all these things that we talk to women or men even about preconception are kind of baseline, besides some specific ones, are baseline for a healthy life. Yeah, you know, so many athletes, female athletes who either never get their periods or get them completely erratic or or lose them because they've been working out so much. I just wish people around young athletes or coaches will be like, hey, how is your period? How is your cycle? Because let's talk about it because that's the main guideline for us to know if what we're doing is potentially too much for you. Um, and maybe you're okay with that. Maybe you want to do a bikini contest um, and you're like, okay, for this next year, I'm okay sacrificing my fertility Um so that I can win that gold medal. And that's your choice. It's fine. But if you don't know all the repercussions and later on you struggle so hard to get the spirits back when you just got married and you want that baby now, 
it's 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 so important. I think it's all about information, right? Like power is information. Information is power, and when we know better, we have an opportunity to do better. And that's what we call informed consent, right? Yeah, yeah. Those athletes, those women that just you know work, work, work. It, like it's kind of like working because that is their work. Their you know their sport is their work, and good on them for you it's know their occupation. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And good on them from loving something and being passionate. I love that. But like you said, if they're educated that, you know, okay, you might win your medal, but you may, it might take a while to get your period back. Is the main reason from your experience for these individuals not to get their period due to cortisol or what would you say? I am not by any means a a sport nutritionist and an expert Mm. in athletes, but the broad understanding that I have is that working out is physical stress. And remember, we don't mind acute stress. Chronic stress is bad. And when you're an athlete who wakes up every day at 5 a.m. and works out for eight hours a day, that is, that's just not normal. That, that's just a huge, huge strain on all the systems of the body. We just have to know that and take that into account. Depending on your goals in life, then you may want to have the opportunity to adjust and and revise those goals. If you're like, well, I have those Olympics I want to I want to participate to in four years, but also I want a baby now. The just maybe we'll have to talk about that, right? Yeah, yeah, I love that. Um, yeah, and it's interesting. It just all goes back to what you said at the start. Burnout is not just work. It can happen anywhere. And just because that organization states that it's that, you have to take it with a grain of salt. Exactly your own words, what you said before. So, yeah, 100%. Yeah, I have nothing else to add on this. Because that's like <laughs> literally like the sooner the better. If you're, if you're a parent of a teenager, please, please tell them that. Like, they don't have to kill themselves at work. Passion work doesn't mean no work. Um, so like really untangle the burnout culture and, and tell them your body matters and let's look at how it's reacting because all the signs and symptoms are just a cry for help from the body. So we, we can't ignore them or shut them down because it's like a, a plastic ball. It will pop out somewhere else. It will. Yeah, our body's always talking to us and we just need to, again, be in a moment and listen to us so we're able to give it what it actually needs. Sometimes all it needs is just a little hug. <laughs> so in regards to, we talked about, you know, a healthy fertility journey and so forth, when to start it. And you said you've been, you know, you've been on your own journey for the last three years or so. What does that journey look like? If you don't mind sharing that with us, what does it look like? Okay, so... I can't pretend that I know for myself what a healthy fertility journey, but for everyone in general, I would say it's something as close to your ideal vision of parenthood and across multiple pregnancies. So if um, someone wants a family with three kids, but then they completely traumatized with their first birth experience, that is not a healthy fertility journey to me. So, And one example that I can think of a healthy fertility journey is my mother, actually. Uh, My mother never had a problem with her menstrual cycle when she was surprised when, as a teenager, I had pain. And she was like, oh, okay, well, I never had that problem. Um, She got pregnant um, whenever, as soon as she wanted on the first try. Um, She had very low symptoms, pregnancy symptoms, so like no nausea, no anxiety. She was just in bliss, you know. She had an easy, um, non-medicated birth. And and if you don't see me, I put air quotes on easy because it's birthing, it's painful, but she was not suffering. And she chose not to have an epidural. And she had like a very, again, blissful experience. She had a peaceful postpartum and she enjoyed breastfeeding. And that's what she wanted to do. And she did this twice around for my little sister. For me, that, that is a, health a successful healthy fertility journey she now she wasn't she never was never a smoker she slept a lot she ate as well as she could in the 80s and 90s you know when we're like it was full shame on fat 
Um, and she was an Epicurean, so like not eating too much, more of a Mediterranean um, diet, um, not drinking too much and, and just like taking it easy at work. When you have no problem like that, that's your experience. That is so cool. That is great. That's what we really like when you're satisfied and you almost feel like, oh, you don't really understand how it could go wrong for other people. That's my mom. She's super annoying with that. She's like, oh, it's so easy. I don't get it, you know? And hopefully you can have that whether you're 21 year old, you have one kid and that's all you want. And then 10 years down the line, you find another perfect life partner and you want another kid and you can. Or you're a 30 year old lawyer who absolutely wants three kids right now and wants to breastfeed each one of them for two months at least. You know what I mean? Like it's, it, really doesn't matter where your life is out, what age you are, but hopefully you can have that journey that is according to your expectations. Now, for me, um, I had to reconnect with my body because really with burnout, I was disconnected. Whatever was down my chin, like didn't matter. It didn't matter except if I was looking at myself in the glass and like in a mirror and I was like, oh, I can't wear that dress. I can see my belly. You know what I mean? Um, so I did a lot of therapy. I did a lot of acupuncture, naturopathy. Um, I studied nutrition on my own to figure out my shit, you know? And it was all about what information you can get from experts or for yourself. And um, the problem is that we've been told for decades that we could get pregnant at any intercourse we have which is really not true which is absolutely not true you have about 14 percent odds on every given cycle if everything is fine otherwise to get pregnant but because we always hear the story of the girl was like the condom broke boom she got pregnant or on the first time ever having sex she got pregnant or she was drunk and you know like we hold on to the stories and like, oh my gosh, this is me. Like at any point I can get pregnant or have to protect myself again that because obviously I don't want to abort or I don't want to have a kid when it's not my timing. But really that's, that's not a reality nowadays. Not when we in this super toxic work we're living um, and, and when our body and nutrition are, have nutritional deficiencies, our minds are completely busy. Um, it's not a reality anymore. Now, the last thing I want to say is about a healthy journey, fertility journey is like, let's ask men to take the responsibility on it. They're literally providing 50% of the DNA for the baby. Um, if their sperm is not top notch, it could be really difficult for the couple. And a lot of time when couples start struggling, it's the responsibility is on, on the woman and that's not fair. I don't think that's fair. I think we, the men should be interested in their partner's cycle, the quality of their cycle and experience and themselves take ownership and try to do changes as well that would last and impact their fertility and, and their life after the baby comes because whatever you're doing for fertility is worth for kids as well. Yeah, wow. Yeah, 100%. I agree with a lot of the pressures put on women. You know, we get people coming through clinic and it's kind of like the woman wants to do the journey. But it's like, who, who, where are you getting the sperm from? Who's the sperm person? Who's providing that? Are they on the journey with you? Because it's it's not just your journey, you know, unless, you know, you want to have a kid by yourself and you want to be a single mom and that's a choice that you make, um, but getting a donor and so forth. But like you said, that is, that is important. That is very important to have them to come together. And it's interesting the fact that you said also that men or, you know, your partner, whoever that is, should know you'll be aware of your cycle. That's interesting because from my experience, men and cycles, it's like, oh, that's a no-go. Don't want to go there. <laughs> but I feel also it's because we don't know. We're shy about it. We're shamed about it. And if we really get into our power and understand our bleeding periods and connection to nature and understand that everything is cyclical and we're part of nature and we're cyclical um and again that's also part of the burnout culture is like working on a masculine 24 hours clock where every 24 hours we can do the same thing well that doesn't work for women that is not a thing for women and 
that is a perfect example. Like like all the gyms that sell you um, gym memberships, and they're like, you have this class every week at the same time of the of the week. Well, that doesn't work for women. If they cannot show up every week for the same type of activity. And, and we put a lot of pressure on ourselves. We get frustrated with ourselves. It's like, I don't understand. Last week I was ovulating. So I was on top of it. And this week I'm premenstrual and I cannot do it. What's going on? But we don't understand because we're not making this, co- this connection. I am very vocal about what's going on for my cycle with my husband. And I have an app where I track everything. And I explain to him, listen, this week, we're not planning anything social. I'm not going to be able to show up. That's not going to be fun for me. I'm going to have social anxiety. Um, I'm going to want to like cut off the, the gathering because I'm premenstrual. Or on the opposite, hey, baby, this is a ovulation weekend. Let's just go crazy and let's do something fun and different. And really, like once you empower yourself that way, it just makes it so clear, so much easier. And you can just go with the flow, literally. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love that. It was like a, when you were talking, I had this like a light bulb moment and I was like, especially when you said the gym membership, having that class every Wednesday morning. And it's like, I can't do that because my body is not the same every Wednesday morning. And it's interesting that you said it's run on a uh, men's clock where it's just, it's a circle. It's like, yep, yeah, we should be able to do this because you can do repetitive things, but there's so much happening inside of a woman's body. Not that there isn't in a men's body, but there's so much happening in the cycles in a female's body that we we need to understand that. What, what does that mean? What does that day mean for us? Oh, okay, that's going to, you know, and understand how we work. And I love that you said, you know, no, 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 I can't be social this week. <laughs> you know, I, I can't do that this week because I'm going to get social anxiety. And it's not that you have social anxiety 24-7. It's the fact that your hormones are at a certain level that's providing you with this anxiety at that certain time and one more thing we realize is that if we go against who we really are it do, it goes sideways it doesn't work um but for women living in a masculine world we have to understand how we work and accept that we're different and embrace that difference and and our partners our, our husbands, our fathers, our sons, uncle, cousins, whatever, they're, they're willing to be open to that. They just don't know. They just don't understand. So if we don't understand ourselves and show them and explain to them how it works, um, there's still going to be this dichotomy, this misunderstanding. But once this is cleared up and just like better off. Yeah. Absolutely. We're creating the word nigger. Yeah. It's like for us being like, yes, I'm on my periods. And yes, I'm going to be a bitch today. Deal with it. <laughs> know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I absolutely. I did break out a little bit there, but that's okay. Um, we, we understood what you were trying to say. And I love the fact that you're so passionate about it because you have to go through that yourself. And I can sense the passion. I can sense that, you know, you want to share this all with all these women and be like, girl, take your power back, get your flow back. I can sense that. And I love that. So I'm so glad that you've come on today's show. And if for anyone that's listening, we did have some technical issues before this podcast. That's why there may be a little bit of a delay, but we had, the, we, 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 it was apparently um lisiana has too much energy and it's creating this tension between our internets <laughs> that's my excuse for not doing well with technology is like i have so much energy inside of me it just doesn't work with technology <laughs> i love that i love that look the other question that i wanted to ask you how can you focus on optimal health through reproductive health so the audience can achieve their business and personal goals because the women that are listening to these either working or they have their own business and you know hearing this might be a bit of a you know light bulb moment for them but what can you what can what how can they focus on their optimal journey what can you provide them with yeah so again if as a woman you pay attention to your cycle you can use it at your own advantage for your business goals so you know that when you're ovulating you have the most energy and you're the most vocal about for yourself. So that's when 
you can go for asking to get that big project. You can ask for a pay raise. You can ask uh, for promotion. You can shine in presentations, you know. Before that, you're more into networking, socializing, and getting to know new people. And after that, it's more about, you know, dealing with stats and um, um, bookkeeping, for instance, or, or kind of like closing up your your projects and before you can move on to something else so once you know that you can just manage your agenda I'm like well this thing i'm gonna do it next week because i know that's when i'm gonna be in the best mental and physical state to tackle that and it's gonna be easy it's gonna be enjoyable it's not, i'm not gonna like struggle through it and and also be vocal about it listen i'm not gonna do this podcast interview on that day because it's not working for me physiologically how about we do it in two weeks and it's going to be so easy when women do that more often and be like, oh, yeah, okay, that makes sense, whatever. Um, so I think that's a huge thing that you can do. Now, if reproductive health is a personal goal, be aware that pregnancy and birth is like running a ultra marathon. I feel like if we put in, in this idea of like, it's not just something that happens and you just go through it this beyond yourself. And it's like, no. You're going to run an ultra marathon as a woman. So just get ready for it. This is the challenge of your life. And it's going to be so challenging, especially for the first time, like an ultra marathon for the first time would be for anyone. So just like be aware of it and, and check all the block to your fertility and, and how you can prepare for it. Phys physiologically, mentally, uh, practically, like my husband and I are deciding to move house before we're giving birth because we want to have the support in postpartum of his family. That is really like we started through, you know, and we, we're changing things so that we can achieve that goal. Um, for men, it's all about lifestyle, 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 lifestyle. There's always a cost um, cost benefits analysis. You love smoking weed? Okay, are you okay with it impacting your ability to have an erection and the quality of your sperm? If, if so, then that's fine. Your choice. Is your partner okay with it? If so, that's fine. But like really going through that together, I think that's fundamental. Um, and also the basics. Heavy metal toxicity, you know, um, it hasn't been proven scientifically because there's really little research ever done on hormonal health, on um, pregnancies and miscarriages. I'm a naturopathic doctor that a lot of first pregnancies end in early miscarriages because the body takes the opportunity to offload tons of toxins and heavy metals that are otherwise extremely hard to extract from the female body um, to get rid of it. Do a little internal cleanup and then move on to the next thing. Okay, cool. Well, if that's a mechanism that happens, uh, it is still extremely traumatizing as a woman who really wants to have a baby in her hands to go through miscarriage. Mm -hmm. And and if you deal with heavy metals and your toxins inside, maybe you have you increase the odds of you avoiding a miscarriage on the first pregnancy, or the second one after long you know, time, like seven, six, seven years of in-between kids. Hit can really impact your ability for men to produce sperm. EMFs exposure, so all the laptops we're close to um, around the breasts, the cell phones around the breast or the uterus, the ovaries, obviously nutrition, uh, water intakes, coffee, drugs, all of this, like those are the basics, but like People don't think about it. They're just like, hey, do you want to have a baby? Yes, I do. Okay, cool. Let's try. And that's it. And it can work. Great if it does. If it doesn't, then you're going to have to do this work anyway. anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I agree 100%. And, you know, we can go back to talking as the fact of, you know, my mom, my grandma, I work for them. But the thing is, things were different and depends also what country you live in, you know. Uh, they might have different work weeks. I know that France has a shorter work week or something along those lines. I don't know if it's changed, but I remember studying that at school. They only had, I think, 35-day work week. Is that right? 
35 hours. 35 hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 35 hours. Everything on top. A lot of people drew 38, 40, but they paid for that. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, and and those things are affecting it, you know. Back in the days, the woman used to stay at home and her work was the house, which is work in itself. But, you know, EMFs weren't around. I mean, toxins weren't around. The water may have been less polluted and things like that. So there's so many things that are impacting it. So I, I love that you've put that in there because a lot of people are like, hmm, what? Like toxicity, like my water may be impacting my fertility. It doesn't link in their head. But thanks, you know, to you, we're able to share this information that, yes, it does impact your zero trimester, your first, second, third, fourth trimester. So, yeah, I, I love that. What I wanted to know also was what, what so someone listening to end the podcast, because we're coming to the end of it, what are some practical tips for the audience to incorporate um, to be healthy, successful but also fertile um it all starts with being curious about your own body so um list all the things that could be bad for conception and a baby and wean off them slowly transition off them switch them um and try to assess that prior um and parent yourself because the reality is like if it's so hard for you to stop smoking weed when you want to have a baby, it's interesting in what you're going to have to tell them later on when they do stuff that are not really healthy for themselves. So if we want to be good parents for others, I think we need to be good parents to ourselves and have a reality check sometimes. Is that really something you really care and you really want? Um, and under what conditions, right? And finally, get professional supports. Like, get the, your team of experts around you who are going to be here to support you and guide you through the immense um, knowledge base that we have access to right now. Uh, and it's going to be really hard. And if something goes wrong that you can rely on, like when I had the miscarriage in August, I had no one. I, I didn't do that. I didn't prepare. So my usual traditional um, specialist like knew about it, but they were not the people who can help me through miscarriage, which is very specific. And I didn't have a midwife. I didn't have a gynecologist. I didn't have a doctor specializing in that who could support me through it. And that had a huge impact on me emotionally, psychologically, and mm. physically. Um, and it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't. Um, so, yeah, really getting clear on our goals. Is it more important for you to get this big project done or to bring life into this world in the next 18 months? Just, just making sure you make space in your life for a baby because the more you're resisting the space they're going to take, the hardest is going to be on the whole triad um, parents' baby, right? Um, so really women track your cycle and men ask your partner, how is your cycle, their cycle and just get acquainted with that superpower that we have really. Yeah. Yeah. So simple, but yet so effective, absolutely effective. I love sharing that with you. So to finish off the podcast, I ask all my guests these questions. Lizanne, what is your best kept natural health hack? Let's share it. It is totally not a hack but this is the most fundamental thing in my life is sleep like it's it's like a second part of my life because i'm a mass i'm a lucid dreamer and i believe that because i get so much restorative um sleep preventively uh, in the night because i go to bed at like 9 30 then in early hours 4 to 7 a.m i get super awesome dreams that i can interact with and can like either offload like stuff that are going on my subconscious or have fucking cold dreams like literally and and this is really the best natural anti-stress remedy like do not believe your brain or your body when you sleep deprived because it will tell you that it wants the pizza it will give you negative thoughts about how lame you are of staying in front of the tv it will make you irritable towards your partner your job your friends it will give you anxiety and really it's potentially just because you need a good nap or a good night's sleep. And I hate when people say I'll sleep when I'll die because I'm like, well, good for you. Cause you're going to die sooner than you think. I love it's that. 
I love that. <laughs> that is absolutely great. That's absolutely great. I love that we're going to end it on that note. I love that. I love that. So where can people find you? So what are you doing at the moment? Where can people find you? Okay, so at the moment, I'm really focusing on growing a little life inside me. I am seven weeks pregnant um, and going through all the hoops of early pregnancy, which is not fun for me right now. I'm not going to lie. And I kind of report on that on my Instagram mostly. So you can find me at Lizian underscore chance. Um, and I, I, I'm just being honest. I'm just like, it's just more like a diary where I'm like, here's what's the, my reality um, and offloading my thoughts and my what's happening in my life. Um, and I've stopped giving um, nutritional coaching for burnt out women, but it's still a passion of mine. And I still strongly believe in, that it's important. Um, so yeah, I still talk a lot about this and thank you so much for the opportunity to talk about my two passions, burnout and fertility together. It's just, it's just beautiful. I love that. I love that. And I'm going to put your link down below so people can access you and find out, please add her on Instagram, see her journey, see what things go through, talk to her. She, you're absolutely amazing. I love that you've come on and thank you so much for joining us on the natural health podcast. Well, thank you so much, Mahela. Long V to your podcast. (laughs) Thank you for joining us at the Natural Health Podcast. And remember, the missing link between success and failure is your health.